Welcome and thank you for tuning into Crossroads Church Aspen and our teaching ministry. We are thrilled that you desire to learn more about God and His Word. We also want to encourage you not to make this a substitute for belonging to a local church in your area. We were made for community and to be relationally connected to each other in the body of Christ. Remember, isolation kills, but community builds. We hope this message blesses you and draws you deeper into the community of Christ Church. If you've been with us, um, we in the month of January started uh, talking about building our house and we talked about the five um, marks of healthy church. The five things that really define that we're going to be pouring into, you're going to hear a lot about. Everything we do in the life of our church will pour into one of these five building blocks of creating healthy church. Uh, and we'll talk more, get feedback on some of that at, at the meeting coming up as well. But we've been talking about those five things, and here they are, talking about being a praying church, everything that goes with that, right? The connection to God, learning how to talk to God, hear from God, the glory of the gospel, what Jesus has done, torn the veil, right? That we can have access to God, uh, the amazing... Um, gospel of Jesus Christ, right? And this idea of learning how to communicate with God. From there, we talk about being a disciple-making church, obeying Jesus' mission, community-building church, right? An equipping church, and finally, a church-planting church. Obviously, G3, last weekend, if you're with us, we bring in a lot of our church family. We're part of something bigger than just what's, what's happening here, uh, as far as our global partners and also church planners and churches um, around the nation. Um, that's what we do once a year, so you can meet and be a part of that larger family experience. So those are the five building blocks. Now, what I want to talk about this morning, closing this series out. By the way, next week I'm super excited. We're going to be diving into a new series, Trusting God. And we're going to look in this little minor prophet called Jonah. And uh, we're going to be several weeks in this, uh, lots of weeks actually, in the book of Jonah, which I'm super excited about. So come with your Bible, ready to dive in next week into the book of Jonah. It's only four chapters long. Um, it's one of the minor prophets. Um, so you can just take some time to really pour into that. Um, but what I want to do this morning is talk about, we have our five building blocks, but we talk about building a house, and what's important is that the middle of that house, right, is, is the culture of the house. And so I want to just talk about what, what is the culture that, that, that people should experience here at Crossroads? What are we trying to, in this building and all these things that we're doing, what, what do we want to see happen when it comes to the, the way the family interacts, the way we communicate, the way we treat one another? What would be our culture here? What is it that God, through Jesus, would want us to, to be as a church and a culture? I have three things this morning. Obviously, you've heard G3. You've heard our three things of grace, growth, and greater things. I want to break those down for us this morning in the sense of paint a little picture of, of um, this is what in this building project of being a healthy church, these things should permeate who we are. We should be a church that grace defines us, growth and greater things uh, here. But what does that look like? What is more or less our, our culture, our family um, dynamic. What does that look like around here? I want to dive into that. Three things I just wanted to share this morning um, and have you think about and have you uh, obviously all of us, right, bat this stuff around and, and look at it this morning. But before I dive into this and, and pray for us this morning and get into the word, I want to uh, just raise this, this issue to, for you to think about. As we talk a lot, you've heard the language about we're building a life. We're building a life. I'm building a life. 
right? You hear that language, whether it's self-help, whether it's just, even our own language can be, man, what is going on? You know, how are you, what are you doing in your life, in your life? And I think that that permeates our culture, right? This is American individualism, right? Which is very, hey, I'm building my life. I'm, I'm, you know, how many times you hear people, I live in the dream here, live in the dream. Well, what do you mean by that, right? And here's the problem with that, is if I live my life building a life for myself, somewhere along the way, I'm going to wake up and realize and look around that this is a real lonely life. And when it comes to leaving anything and building anything that really lasts, the question we should be asking, the question God created us for is, am I building a house? Am I building a home? Am I building a family? We were never created to build a life. Do you know that? We were never created to build a lonely, isolated, I'm building my life outside of the context of God's family, outside of, of family. And this flows over into our individual families. So I just throw this, when you throw this out as we look at our own home, our own family, our own structure in all that. Is it, is it, the American family today is more and more a bunch of individuals living in a home, a house together, each what? Trying to build a life. Individual, just trying, each trying to build a life. And you know, as that grows, you know what, that doesn't hang together too well. The question is, are we building a home? Are we building a family that is healthy? And so I just throw that out for us this morning. Father, I just ask you that you would come and, Lord, Jesus, may you open our ears to your word this morning. Lord, encourage us. Holy Spirit, come and convict us. Lord, enlighten us. Awaken us, Lord. Father, you desire us to be your people, your family, and you want to be our Father. You've sent Jesus, Lord, to lead us in, to save us back, to redeem us back into a healthy family. And Lord, your church is to be that light, that healthy family that is open arms to people who are struggling, living lonely lives, broken family lives. Holy Spirit, help us be that people in Jesus' name. We started this series in Psalm 127, which is one of the Psalms of Ascent that Dirk talked about. And let me just read this for us that we begin. It says, unless the Lord builds a house. Remember, the Jews would sing these Psalms of Ascent as they would, as God prescribed, seven times a year, three primarily, would hike up to Jerusalem and all what? Be one big family before God and celebrate. And that's the ecclesia, the gathering, the word used for church, is, it just means gather. When God's people gather together as the organized church all around the world, is this pleases God. This is what he longs for. This is where he promises his presence and his blessing. We were created for that. That's how God's blessing and strength flow out of God's family into our individual families. That's the light that, that is to shine, right, for people to, uh, to see. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and you go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives to his beloved sleep. How much toiling is there? How much anxiety is there today, right? Because we're trying to build a life for ourselves outside of the context of what God created. What he's inviting us into is to his family. This is where we are blessed. This We need each other. We were created not to ever live lonely lives. We were created to live in community. And it's in the midst of God's people being the church, uh, the church family, right, that that is to, uh, to grow. 
And so three things this morning. Let me just dive in here. Grace, we begin with our first G of building our house. What does that look like? We talk about the, the environment here of the, of the church. And I just have three sayings. I hope you'll take these and just take some time to think about these uh, this week. Let's learn to be more consumed by what God has done for us through Jesus than what we've done or not done. What would happen in our family, our church family here, if each of us were learning, we were growing, and we were being more consumed by, by what our Heavenly Father through Jesus has done for us with the gospel and through the gift of the Holy Spirit, then we were consumed about what we're doing or not doing. What would happen in the midst of how we would treat each other, in the midst of God's presence here, in the midst of a lot of things? What would happen if, if that started happening? Is that the grace of God consumed us, right, more than the do's and the don'ts in our own building, our own life of what I'm doing and what I'm not doing. But the, the, we start to live with this filter. You know, following Jesus is, is this, remember, Matt used this language last weekend about a new plausibility structure. The gospel creates a whole new way of looking at life. And what if what our filter we looked at life was, with, was a grace filter? What if the cynicism, the criticism, the worry, anxiety, what if those faded away and the primary filter we were living by and we were engaging each other with was, wow, was one of grace, was one of being more and more consumed by how much God loves us, how much he's done for us, what he has for us, all of his vast promises for us. Those things consumed us more than me building my own life and all of my issues. Remember, this is what Jesus beckons us. Come to me, I'll give you rest. You promise to seek first the kingdom of God. He says, I'll take care of all those worries, all those things about you building your life, your worries as we just saw about building your own house, taking care of yourself. Those things are going to take care of themselves if we have a new filter, right, of, of God's grace. So turn with me to uh, Luke chapter 10. And we're going to look at this little section, powerful little section dealing with Mary and Martha little background, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, their brother, they had a home in Bethany right outside Jerusalem, and Jesus frequented this home on a regular basis. They hosted him. And, and, and we, we, if we read more in the scripture, we find that he actually developed a very intimate relationship with this family. And this is one of the first engagements that they had. This is Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Martha has chosen the good portion, which she, she will not, which will not be taken from her. Well, folks, let that sink in. Are we not a distracted people? Don't we live in the age of distraction? But what would happen? What, what would happen in, in our family here, our church family, if, if we started growing and started started the, the distractions of life would, would, would fade away and we started moving towards devotion. What would happen if we exchanged distraction for devotion? 
what happened in our own lives, but also just in the life of, of the church, of how we'd engage each other. We're a distracted people, aren't we? Anybody struggle with getting into the Word in the, in the first thing in the morning with your mind going a thousand directions? Right? We all do. We're distracted people. Boy, what would happen? Right? If, if we, Lord helped us create an atmosphere, a family atmosphere that was moving and encouraging and pushing each other on, towards life that was more focused on devotion to God than it was on distractions. And folks, can we not relate to Martha? I mean, a part of me is like, hey, I'm right there with her, right? If, man, you know, it's kind of, she's busy in herself over here. But look at Jesus' perspective. I don't, you know, obviously Jesus is, he's not expecting Martha to do everything. Jesus is expecting what? Martha to come and sit. And you know, the food, the preparation, that's going to come in due time. Maybe Jesus was just going to do one of those things again. Boom, there it is, right? You never know, right? Which is a whole other thing, right? Because when we get focused on devotion, it means we're putting our trust in God. When we're distracted, we're trying to live life and toil to make things happen. We're not giving God any room to work there. What if... This also flowed into our homes, our individual homes. What if and what would it look like for our homes, our individual homes, to transition from being dis- places of distraction and confusion to a place of devotion? What, what would change in how we interact with each other, how we talk to each other, what we value, right? The media, the noise, everything else. What would change, right, in our homes? I think the picture is pretty profound, isn't it? Is that Jesus, he's, he's come to us, his arms are open wide, isn't it? Isn't, aren't they to us? And the question is, well, are we willing to come and sit like, like Mary in devotion to him? He wants to pour out. That's what God wants more than anything for us, his relationship, time with us. But if we don't create the space, and that's just a big thing, right? To create the space for devotion to take place, to create space so that I can listen to God, to create space for communication with each other, right? And moving from the doing, right, to taking time for the being, right, which we've heard. And so this is the first aspect of just when we think about grace, for us to think about here, wow, this is what God has for us. This is what he desires for a church family is to be a place of grace, a place where there is a growing sense of, of passion and desire and where we're being consumed, right, with, with the gospel, with Jesus, with God and, and what he has for us. And it's amazing the distractions, right, that will fall away in the midst of that. And we create space to be with each other. We create space to gather together as a church. We're not flying here, there, everywhere. And, and, and because, you know, I, I want to be with the Lord. I want to sit with the Lord. Right, rather than get all busy. So that's the first one that I want us to look at. I want to just stop and pray this because I think this is a pretty big, I don't think I know, because I know for our household and just for our lives, is boy, how do you, how do, you do that? How do you create space? And what does it look like? Can we in our lives say, you know, I think I'm, I'm moving in the right direction on this. 
I'm moving towards devotion. I'm moving towards a greater hunger for that. I'm, I'm actually able to sit quietly and listen to God and read his word. Matter of fact, I'm longing for that more and more. You don't have to raise your hands, but I ask you, are you growing with a greater desire for more quiet time? More undistracted time alone to hear God and to read his word. Is there a desire for that? Now here's the deal. Every one of us, we go through seasons and maybe you haven't reached that place yet. But the reason why is because we're distracted. We don't even know. We haven't even tasted the goodness of God yet. So Father, I ask this morning in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for each of us, God. Lord, that you would create space. Help us, Lord, in our homes to restore a sense of devotion, to restore a sense of healthy communication and exchange. And Lord, help us to be a less distracted people, Lord. That we might hear your voice. Lord, you over and over again, you promise in your word, God, to come to us. You promise those who seek you will find you. Lord, I pray that for each of us and as a church body, as a church family. In Jesus' name, amen. Second thing is growth. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke 15, though I'm not going to take time to, to read this. It's just the parable of the prodigal son and the whole family structure there. But what I want you to, to, to take and to think about this week is this, this idea of, of a culture of church, right? Let's learn to embrace our need for healthy family structure, right? To become all that God's created us to be. We need to embrace this idea we need, each of us need healthy family structure to grow into everything that God has created us to be. Now, this is just a fact of life, is outside of healthy family, we cannot, our growth, our maturity, developing as a person is radically limited. It's limited. God didn't create anyone, and it's impossible for anyone, again, to build a life for ourselves that is going to be healthy. That's impossible. We need each other. We need healthy family to be healthy, to become everything God has for us. But this is a big issue, isn't it? Because guess what? Every one of us in here comes from some form of dysfunction. We all have dysfunction. We all have family issues. We all have, no one has a perfect family. We all have things that we're dealing with that hold us back. Don't, every one of us right now probably is dealing with a family issue of some kind that's weighing heavy on us. That has a big impact on us being able to be at peace and be able to grow into everything God wants us to become, right? And unfortunately, our culture, right, is just feeding into this more and more dysfunction, more and more unhealth, right? So what's the role of the church? And folks, I believe what I'm about to tell you, I'm going to just step out there and, and with a generalization, but I'm willing to bet that most of us did not hear what I'm about to say growing up as far as this is what church is to look like. But the way God's designed it is this way, because of the fallenness in the world, because of dysfunction in the family, the breaking down of family, on and on and on, and all the trauma that happens, etc. So God created His church to be a family. It's to be a place where if you grew up and you didn't have a healthy father, guess what? 
When God saves you through Jesus and he brings you to be part of his children, a part of his family, he doesn't just restore, his desire is not just to restore to you one father, but he restores to you multiple spiritual fathers to restore in your life what was missing. That is how church is to happen. Maybe you grew up and you did not have a healthy mother figure in your life. Guess what church is to be? Church is to be a place where, where God's family moves together and that women rise up to be spiritual mothers where for someone who did not have a spiritual mother, a healthy mother figure. Maybe you grew up and you didn't have uh, healthy friends. Maybe, maybe you just didn't even have any real close friends. Maybe you struggled with where you moved around, whatever it is, and you just didn't have healthy friends. And um, Church is to be a place, a family, we're restored to us and we can develop lifetime friends who are faith friends where there's a kindred spirit. Maybe you grew up and you were an orphan. Maybe you didn't have any of this. A church is to be a family that restores for the orphan a healthy family. Maybe you grew up and you were the only child. You didn't have brothers and sisters. Guess what? The church as God has laid it out, as we interact with one another, is, is we, this is why the scriptures, when you read it, this is why Paul and the other writers say over and over again, greet your brothers and sisters, grace and peace. This is the place that you grow, and God builds healthy brothers and sisters for your life. Because God's called us into his family, and family is to be much bigger than our biological family. It's to be the house of God. And those are to interact beautifully, right, with, with one another. That is what church is to be. In this house right here is that God wants you men to rise up, to mature, and to grow, and following Jesus so you can be a spiritual father to others. As Paul told Timothy, I'm your spiritual father. As far as we know, Timothy's father died. His grandmother and mother had faith. But guess what? In the midst of church, God raised up Paul to step in and be a spiritual father to take that role in Timothy's life. And that's exactly what he wants to do in here for every man who is willing to follow Jesus to raise him up to be a spiritual father. This is the importance of discipleship is playing that role. And women, whether you're a mother or not, is God desires that you follow Jesus to raise you up is that you can speak into other women you can play that role of spiritual mom in other women and men and boys and girls' lives that maybe didn't have that, to restore it and to bless it. And even if you, here's the deal, even if you came from a, a good Christian family where you felt like you, you have all those things in place, here's the joy, guess what? Is that when we move into the, to the family of God is that God just builds upon that. Folks, we all know as parents, we know for a healthy child is the more healthy moms and dads that can speak into our children's lives. It just, built, it, it does something powerful. That's how God designed it. I know Michelle and I can speak of the relationships of men and women in this life who've been spiritual moms and dads into our kids' lives have brought unbelievable blessing. Blessings that you can find nowhere out there. Oh, you can get a mentor that fills a little bit of that gap, but not in a family context. That's what church is all about, is to be a family, a 
family of God. And we go to Luke chapter 15, which is the parable of the prodigal son. I should encourage you to read it, but the point of that is that you, you see this beautiful picture of God. We've all wandered like the prodigal, but you see this beautiful picture of God's open arms welcoming back those who've wandered back into the house of God fully restored as a son or child in the, the house of God. But you see the older son who, who's dutiful, religious, self-righteous, building a life for himself, and he's critical of the grace shown to the prodigal who comes home, and he's not willing to step in the party. There's always grace killers. There's always those people going to be in your life who kill God's grace. There's always going to be those who question your devotion to Jesus. There are always going to be those in your context of friends and family, right, who just snub out of the room every bit of encouragement and, and just seep into it cynicism and criticism. We call them vision vandals, right? It's just like, man, you got anything good to say? You got anything you're excited about? It's not selfish, right? Always those. Key is the, boy, we've all been that at some point, right? When the grace takes over, man, it expands this, this idea of what God's doing right in, inside our hearts. And so we ask the Lord right, to make us a house, to make us a place where we're growing and to embrace the idea of church as family. The idea of churches that our children and all of us, we need spiritual fathers, mothers, we need faith friends, we need brothers and sisters to be healthy, we need those around our lives. Please, the biggest lie of the enemy right, is that well, I can go off and just kind of do my own thing. Right? Our own, where our culture is at today should show and prove that that is dangerous territory. That is the enemy. That's just the enemy tactic, right? He can, just like in warfare, you get isolated, you're done. You're done. And isn't that the kind of the temptation for all of us is that when times go bad, what do we do? We typically what? We pull back from church. We pull back from community. We isolate. And men are especially at this, right? Things get tough, right? A little failure, a little struggle, a little whatever it is. Things go bad. What do we do? We shoot. We sink inside. We isolate. And guess what happens in isolation? Nothing good. Nothing good. And the family is to be large enough, right, to reach out to those who've isolated, right? Pull them back, encourage them, come back in the family, right? We, we need that. So let me just pray for us for this. Father, Lord, I uh, pray you'd make us this kind of family, this kind of church. And Lord, I know in this room right now, I know, Lord, there is all kinds of hurt. There's all kinds of families, all kinds of people missing healthy father figures, missing healthy mother figures, missing good deep friendships, missing healthy relationship with brothers and sisters. Father, I ask you to make us a, a church, a family, Lord, where those things are restored, a place where people can receive a, and, and, and the blessing of a spiritual father, a spiritual mother. Let this be that kind of church, Lord. Father, we can't, you can't plan this. You can't do it. You, Lord, we're completely dependent on you for your spirit to move and change our hearts this way, Lord. It's a really a whole new kind of... Uh, new way of looking at church. Trust you with that, Lord. Bring that blessing and encouragement on your people, Lord Jesus. And Father, I, I, I want to pray for, Lord, anyone in here who just is struggling with what I'm going to define as an orphan spirit, Lord. I'm going to define as, well, all right.
That's interesting. Huh? No, it's these brand new batteries. Is it on? Turn it back on. Good? There we go. Let me finish my prayer. Father, I just pray for anyone, Lord, in here. Lord, I believe this is a spirit of our age, Lord. Orphan spirit. God, we come into this world, we feel alone. We feel disconnected from you and we fight and we toil to try to make a life for ourselves. We never really plug in with others. No one ever really knows us. We don't make ourselves known. We don't know where we really belong. There's dysfunction everywhere. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray this will be a place where that spirit is broken and where the orphan can find a family and be known and know how much you love them, Father, how much you, Lord, will restore all that is lost through your people, God, and your awesome grace. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Third thing, greater things, building our house. Let me just read this for us. Let's learn to model a healthy faith culture. So uh, this should be a question to bat around is what, when we talk about faith, what do we mean by that word, number one? And to be biblical and true to what Jesus and God want for his church, what is, it, what is a healthy faith culture? And so I'm just going to define it for us here. A healthy faith culture that trusts God is able to do anything. It trusts God's able to do anything. It trusts in God's promises of healthy faith cultures where people are taking God at his word and stepping out in faith according to what God's word. Taking risks, trusting God at his promises. And finally, when life circumstances don't go our way, when we don't get the answered prayer that we desire, we worship and praise him with joy anyway. Anyway. We don't sit around and pout. We don't grumble. We don't question. We trust God. He's our Heavenly Father. We trust Him with the answer. Folks, there's so much discussion right now in the church in America today about what healthy faith is. There's so much unhealth and un misunderstanding on this issue over and over and over again in the Scripture. This is as simple as we can get. These are the things that should define the church's attitude. And I just throw it out to you. What would happen if we as a church family united around and, and went on a, a process of learning, Lord, show us, build, as the scripture says, Lord, increase my faith. What would happen in this place? What would happen if our general attitude of coming in here this morning is everything we have on our plate, all the big things we're concerned about, what would happen if the majority of us united on, Lord, all things are possible with you. I'm coming to worship. You promise your presence are among God's people. All things are possible. Anything can happen this morning, God. What would happen if when we read the word of God, there is a sense of, Lord, I'm taking you at your word. I'm going to step out there into my home, my neighborhood, my work, and my travels. And Lord, I'm going to step out on what your word says. And I'm going to take a risk and I'm going to trust you and see you move. What would happen in this place? What would happen in this place? In the deepest, darkest suffering, what would happen in this place when our, our prayers are not answered yet? What would happen in this place in the midst of life? Circumstances are, are going the opposite way, not going well, as the psalm we read, in the valleys, we're, we're in the desert. And even in that place, what would happen if we, as a church, praised God, even in the midst of the suffering? What would happen? 
That's the kind of church, that's the kind of gathering, that's the kind of ecclesia, that's the Greek word for church, for gathering. What would happen? You know what God says? That's the people he's looking for. That's the people he's looking for to come and reside with and for his power and grace and blessing to, to dwell upon. Right. So turn with me to uh, Daniel chapter 3. Back towards the middle, it's right after Ezekiel in the Old Testament, one of the minor prophets. No, if you haven't been in the minor prophets for a while, it's kind of can be hard to find. Chapter three, and uh, I just want to read a little bit from our boys Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, taken when they were youths to Babylon, but their faith was so solid in the Lord is that they, God blessed them, favored them in a pagan Babylon environment, exalted them as teenagers to high political power among the king. So I just say, any of our young people in this place, I don't care how old you are, right? there is no like uh, minor Holy Spirit that you have. There's nothing limiting your faith of what God will do through your life, even as a teenager. You don't have to wait till you're out of high school to see God do something powerful in your life. Matter of fact, God delights in his children when they trust him, right? No matter what age right, they are. But these are young guys. And, and what had happened is the king, he had some bad counsel and the king kind of got his head big, like happens a lot, right? When you have power and wealth and everything. And they, they talked him into building a statue, right? So everybody would bow down and worship the statue, worship him as the king and nothing new under the sun here. And, uh, and they did this to, to just kind of weed out those, those faithful people in, in Yahweh and the God of all creation. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were taken to the carpet on this issue. And this is where I want to pick up the story. I love this. Basically, a huge burning fire furnace was created. And whoever didn't bow down, the threat was they'd be thrown into the fire. But if you, and this is the king's word, if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who, here's the threat, and who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands, ultimate in human pride? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. That just fires me up, folks. There it is. That is a healthy faith culture. That is the same attitude that should permeate God's people is the attitude, God, all things are possible with you. No matter what kind of trial I'm at in my life, no matter what I'm facing is, God, you are able to take me through this. I'm going to trust you with that. And Lord, your promises are sure you're true to your word and I'm going to step out on your word and trust you with the answer. And even if you do not answer, like I asked you to, I trust you, and I will worship you all the same. That's faith. And you know what? We all need to lock arms and push each other right towards. What does that look like? How do we, how do we cultivate that right here? 
how do we, how do we develop and see that, right? T- take over that, that kind of faith, right? Even, Lord, if, even if I don't see my answers, and, and here's the reality, folks, is you know what? If you're his child, if you're his child, you know what we can say is he's going to deliver you. Nothing can snatch you out of the Father's hand. You will be healed perfectly, beautifully in the end. Nothing can change that. Jesus says no one can snatch you out of his hands. You have that great assurance. But here's the deal. Faith says it should be operating today. Not just back then. We stand upon that. But today we should live with that same kind of faith. Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he said the same thing. He had the same kind of faith. Derek, y'all come on. So those are the... Those are the three things, I think, when we think about, wow, what does a culture of church look like? And um, I just encourage you to pray into these things. So just a couple practical things as we close and come to the table. Um, Two things to think about. We're going to, in two weeks, we'll have our gathering here just with, uh, uh, you know, anybody, uh, everybody's welcome. And two things, I just want to kind of give you a little heads up on two things we're going to be kind of marking on a board with. I just want you to dwell on these things. And you can you know, email them to us ahead of time or just bring them in a couple weeks. But here's the first question. What does a Christian look like? What does a follower of Jesus look like? Just, just list out. What, what should a follower of Jesus look like? Because you know, there's great confusion on that today. We think, oh, you know, just read the Bible, look at you. No. There's great confusion about that today in America. What is a Christian? What is someone who's following Jesus? What should their life look like? And then let's vamp it up a little bit and ask the question of what does, what does a Christian leader in the church, what should their life look like? What should Christian leaders at Crossroads, what should we circle about? What should we unite on? What should that look like, right? Let's really dive in, right, on, on that issue. Now, you might be here and you might be saying, wow, Steve, I hear what you're saying, I, I, but where do I start? Where, how do I, you know, I feel on the outside, it's hard to kind of connect, blah, blah, blah. Let me just give you two quick things, folks. First one is this. I encourage you to step into another avenue, one of our many, many community groups. Make a commitment that it's not just going to be Sunday morning you come because, you know, just not, if it's just Sunday morning, it's not going to happen. Just like a family. What would happen if, you know, your family only gathered once, once a week? It's not much of a family, is it? So I just encourage you to step into one of our many wonderful community groups and start getting engaging people and see and start learning what it is to follow Jesus. What does that look like, right? And the second thing I'd say is, 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 is just talk about and ask the Lord, find a place to serve. Even if it's just once a month, find a place to serve in the Bible because that's what families do. Families serve each other. At least healthy families, right? We, you know, there's, we obviously have couch potato problems, but what happens in a family where that happens? Well, we know. Find a place to serve and see what God does with that, right? In the sense of developing a family relationship starts moving, right? Right in our lives on that. Okay? Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, may you strengthen, may you encourage us, God. Father, you have so much more for us as a church, and as families and as individuals, Lord, I pray that that language would just sink in us, that, Lord, I, I, we're not called to build a life. That's lonely. That's ah, it's not fulfilling. You're, you call us to build a family. Be part of that. It's in the midst of that, Lord, that our life becomes everything, God, you want it to be. Lord, strengthen your people this morning. Holy Spirit, I invite you to come now as we prepare our hearts to come to the table. 
Lord, I just, let's have a little space here, a little undistracted time just to listen to your leading in our life. Come, Holy Spirit, minister to your people now. In Jesus' name. Just take some time, quiet before the Lord, and as he leads, feel free to come and celebrate the table uh, before we close. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.